James Hall. Yeah, yeah, I love James Hall. Yeah. His son, his son Liam Hall was on our podcast. Oh yeah. I yeah. haven't met him. He's amazing, man. Fuck. I I've been bet. I've been writing with him a lot. I don't know if I just turned you up or me. I'm trying to turn me up. Does he does he live in New York? Uh sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, he's um he just got signed to Atlantic. He's about to put out his first album. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. But he did the podcast and he was like he said the setup looks like uh if like a hostage situation. <laughs> Here comes the beheading. <laughs> was like, which was hysterical. <laughs> no, I used to see James Hall in New Orleans cuz uh-huh. back when I had my restaurant Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. I had a restaurant in New Orleans. What was that like? Amazing. But the scene down there was awesome, and he he was one of my favorites to go see. Yeah. He was an amazing performer. I think you're probably all right. And it's cool. You can chime in if you want. There's no rules, man. I'm just... We go back back 25 years. Uh Uh-huh. That's cool. Mm -hmm. How'd you guys meet? Uh, on the road with Caius when I was Caius's guitar tech. Oh, okay. Is that how you got? Is that how you met like Josh and yeah. all the and that whole crew? Yeah. Oh, so you were the guitar tech at first. Yep. And then you became a in, guitarist, in, integral member of the band. Yeah, you know, I jumped in. Yeah. I'm not scared. How did uh, How did you go about becoming a guitar tech? Well, uh, I had a fire at my restaurant in New Orleans, and. Uh, there was no power at the house because I lived above the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from my good friend Hutch who was doing sound. And I'd known the Caius guys for a while. I met them through Chris Goss and Hutch. Mm-hmm. And they needed a guitar tech for Europe and I'd never been. So I so went like, and cool. I met Arnie and a bunch of other awesome Amsterdamians. Yeah, they're real cool. They got bikes all over the place and weed back when no one else had weed. Y'all were the first. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that was like the biggest deal going to Amsterdam being like, I can smoke weed. This is crazy. <laughs> I, I still, I was always scared to go in coffee shops, even though it was legal. I always felt like I was doing something criminal. Yeah. And they're like, no, dude, it's, you, you're allowed. You're allowed. I know. It's weird. It's still illegal in New York. Like it's still a seedy thing. Like the last time actually I quit weed and I was like, you know, was working actually with Liam a lot. That's James Hall's son. Yep. Uh, in L.A. and I kept like going into the legal weed stores, which are like Mac stores. They're so they got the marketing down. Oh yeah. So good. It's like oh, and you can buy just the fancy one joint, and then it's like oh, I'm not really going and kind of like messing around with smoking cigarettes again. Not that we got to edit that out now. No, we don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but just like, you know, it's like They're you can so like, good. you can get away with like one or something like that. But then I went back to New York and I like ordered up some weed. I saw some kid gave me like a card and he had packages of weed and everything. Then I ended up ordering weed from him and I met him on the street and I'm buying weed on the street. And then he goes, Hey man, I got a bunch of cocaine too. If you want that, <laughs> suddenly I'm in a situation where, like, for me, I was just like a month ago just buying like weed out of a Mac store in LA, which was like perfectly legal. <laughs> suddenly I'm like on a, like like probably with a minor with who's got like fucking bags of cocaine. I'm like I'm done. I'm done with weed. Like this is like 
nothing in my life is going to get me into trouble right now the way I'm behaving. But like this, yeah. could, this could actually be like a fuck up. All of a sudden a cop runs by all of a sudden, you know what I mean? I'm just like, I was like, I'm done. You know, anyway. Yeah, there are weed superstores out here. Yeah. I, I walked in when they first became legal. And I went to one in Venice, and it was it felt like it was two stories high. It probably wasn't, but yeah. it was like, weed, Coca-Cola, weed, lollipops, yeah. weed, weed, weed. Edibles. I can't do that. It gets me way too high. It gets me too paranoid now. I get the fear. <laughs> Like doing a podcast, forget it. Like the whole first like few episodes, I would say every time like at the end of one, I'd be like, okay, I just said something that's going to end my whatever career, like <laughs> career, whatever this is. I thought you drugs know? made your career, not yours in particular, but yeah, no, they probably helped mine career. for a second and then the, and before they like put it into the dirt for more than a, five minutes, you know? Drugs but, always fucked me up a little too much. I, I enjoyed them occasionally, but I never got too deep. Yeah. Did you ever, like, except for what do you think about psychedelics? I still do psychedelics occasionally. Yeah. Not not very often, but occasionally. M- microdosing, any of that? A little bit here and there. I do that a little bit here and there. Don't tell my sober friends that. I still consider that sobriety. Yeah, it's, I think it's a different thing. It's a different thing. If you're not tripping, I mean, even if you did trip hard here and there, it's medicinal. But uh, the desert and psychedelics seem to go together like white on rice, man. That is indeed the case. Yeah, <laughs> almost every, almost is, everybody who are. everybody yeah, exactly. who comes here. Yeah, we, can, we are at. we are with Dave catching the 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 mysterious, the famous, <laughs> the miraculous. Even I don't think I'm famous, but I'm definitely alive. You're famous to the people who know you. Yeah, there yeah. there you go. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, but uh, so you must get like people coming with like pockets full of mushrooms every time they come here. That or asking if I have any. Right. And yeah. So yeah, is there, uh, I'm not asking, but (laughs) (laughs) it's suddenly turning into that. Is there a guy down the street? No. I'm sure there's someone around here that must have. I'm good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't take them very often anymore, but. Uh, you know, occasionally it's not a bad thing with the right people. Right. Or like the microdosing thing is cool because it's just kind of like an, uh, like a better version of an antidepressant, I find. I, I had a band in recently who I won't name, but uh, right. they, they were kind of midly dosing mm-hmm. uh, for the entire time. Yeah. And they did some really great work. But they weren't like going super crazy, but they were definitely... More than micro dosing, a li- slightly more than micro dosing. I think that's my version of micro dosing. <laughs> slightly more. I think, I think my version of micro dosing is always slightly more. Um, but as soon as you say that, I think I bet their record is good. Yeah, that's my weird reverse prejudice about that kind of. I think that drug, or in particular, brings in certain creative spirits that help a project, but can hurt it if you don't ever like. Measure it with some bouts of sobriety too. Oh, definitely, they were doing both. But mm-hmm. uh, that's smart. The then. album sounds insanely awesome. I bet. I'm sure they'll talk about it themselves. I'd rather not. Yeah, don't out put them. them on, <laughs> I don't out anyone. Yeah. But um, so you so what was your restaurant like in New Orleans? Did you you were did you cook in it or just open it or? Yeah, I was the chef. I I was offered a a place. This is in 1993. 92, 93, uh, I was offered a restaurant for a thousand bucks a month that included 
the restaurant, a venue, a two-story, six-bedroom house above it, everything but the bar. The, the guy that offered it to me wanted people to come to his bar, so they wanted a restaurant, and they wanted me to book a club. So my friends and I would play the club while we're working the restaurant, and we all lived above it. And it was, it was great. It was open uh, Wednesday noon through Sunday noon, and we did pizzas, pastas, whatever we could get cheaply we mm-hmm. would that would be the specials right but it was an awesome it was a really awesome time to be in new orleans new orleans was definitely wild west yeah I, I never had to get a permit or anything we were very very clean and permittable but no one ever asked us if we needed a permit isn't it still wild west vibes or? it's pretty it's pretty wild west but it's definitely changed yeah. from from those days that's quite a while ago so that's cool though. So that was '93, huh? Where, what neighborhood in New Orleans? It was uptown, um, oh, okay. kind of near Tipitinas. Oh, okay, yeah, I spent a bunch of time down there. Too. Yeah, I know you did. Yeah, with Mike Napolitano. Yeah, I love yeah. Mike. I lived right over Checkpoint Charlie's. Yep, for a little while. Yeah, I've, I've been to Mike's above Checkpoints many times, and Dave Rosser. Yeah, Dave Rosser, rest in peace. One of the coolest dudes ever. Yeah, he took over the nappy dugout. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I was hanging out with those guys right after Katrina up there, and mm-hmm. we were looking at all the fires around town because people were burning their houses to collect insurance. Oh, really? Yeah, because no one had flood insurance. A lot of people burned their houses to get some sort of insurance. That's wild. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I was there. I, I think the soonest I could get a flight there was about a month after. What What'd you do down there? Well, my daughter and her mom and a ton of friends lived there, so I went to just make sure everything was cool. Right. I'm, I still feel tied to that city. I'm sure you do, too. Like I do. One, once you're in there. It gets it, it gets in. It's in. It's in. Yeah. But it's a hard city to get anything accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little too much fun, too much to do. Yeah, well, the energy of, you know, you pick up on the energy of the people in your environment, and, if you know, if there's a lot of hanging out. Oh, yeah. You know, then it's hard to be like a force that's going in opposition to that. That's one of the things I like about New York is it's just in motion. It's kind of hard to live there, but I kind of like that about it. Yeah, you you, you definitely have to be driven to live in New York. Yeah. I've, I've always loved it. When I, I'm from Memphis in, in the early 80s. People I really admired, like Alex Chilton and mm-hmm. a few friends, moved to New York. And it scared the shit out of me. I mean, right. their stories of, you know, how gnarly New York was yeah. with junkies and crumbling buildings and the way that New York was in the early 80s. Yeah. And uh, so we ended up going to L.A. And that was a whole different scene right. than, than New York there. You know, it was hippies and the sun and sand. Yeah. So, Yeah. And then you stayed out here in the West Coast. Yeah, I, I took a little while. We we would try to stay. I, I came out with a band. Uh, we had opened up for the Gun Club on my mother's birthday, where we took a lot of psychedelics, and uh, it was probably one of the most uh, hated gigs of Memphis ever. We were we were kind of a hated band at certain times. Why? It we were punk rock and country (laughs) (laughs) that would make sense now probably more so yeah we were kind of like the hick bad brains of memphis 
That sounds amazing. It was actually a great band, and yeah. we did very well once we got to Los Angeles. We never like got big or anything, but we got to open for all our friends, and we had solid gigs. But we opened for the Gun Club on my mom's birthday, and I took a lot of psychedelics, and it turns out my mom showed up at the show, mm. unbeknownst to me. That and, must have uh, been therapeutic. It was awesome. <laughs> she, she never really drank, and I think she'd had a couple of drinks, so she didn't really realize how much hatred was in the room. So she just, mm. oh, you guys were really great. That mm. was amazing. What was that band called? The Modifiers. Wow. Yeah. That's trippy. So Jeffrey invited us to open up their L.A. show, which was awesome. So we went across country and opened for them. And by that time, we'd met Circle Jerks, and uh, the band had opened for Black Flag, Circle Jerks, tons of, you know, traveling bands. Most bands used to go through Memphis in the early 80s. So yeah. we became friends. You know, all the fanzines, you would you would hook up with people. There were fanzines before the internet. Right. So you would start writing people, and then... You know, somewhere in Iowa, like, we have a club. You should come through here, and mm -hmm. you would just go there and play a show and stay with friends, and that became a whole network of, you know, changing info with people. Send cassettes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So, you, and you hung out with Alex Chilton in Memphis, or you knew him? Or yeah, yeah, very well. He actually played bass with the Modifiers for a short time. That's wild. He was he was playing with Panther Burns, and we used to play a lot of shows together. And then when he moved to New Orleans, uh, our first show in New Orleans, we went down, and <laughs> the owner of the club never showed up. So he met, he was uh, washing dishes at the Quarter of the Three Sisters. You know that place in the Quarter? Have you ever been by there? Mm, I don't know. I can't remember. It's a, it's a really probably have, it's a but... famous restaurant there. Anyway, he was mm -hmm. a, he was a dishwasher, which tells you. Yeah, I remember Mike <laughs> telling me about that. Like, yeah. and he would play like just like go and play in clubs solo and do like blues songs and absolutely stuff like he wouldn't do big star stuff or, never yeah not until time. the end yeah yeah but he uh so <laughs> we ended up at the friendly bar which was across the street from the beat exchange which is where we were gonna play and the owner never showed up to let us in so we were at the friendly bar drinking dollar 25 uh tall budweiser's that came with a shot of jack daniels uh-huh I don't drink beer, so I was drinking all the shots. And uh, we met some girls that, since they weren't letting us into the venue, they told us we could go to this place called the Rose Tattoo, which was exactly across the street from Tipitina's. Uh -huh. So we all jumped in the van, went to the Rose Tattoo with Alex, who had met us a little later in the day after he got off work. Yeah. And our singer got so drunk that he was passed out. And so Alex sang, and we got... They talked the owner into letting us play for beer because they wanted to see us play or drinks or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she she agreed, and about five songs in, she kindly approached us while we were playing with Alex singing standard Elvis and Chuck Berry songs and asked us if we could please stop playing because we were scaring her local you know, uh, guys away. Right. She said that she would still give us free drinks, but, but stop. please stop. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's why was he like upset about like the fact that he was being a dishwasher and all that stuff like that? Not at, at all. He, or he was cool with it. 
It was kind of weird because, you know, he was so famous when he was like 16. Yeah, he had the big hit then. Huge. Yeah. They had the box, box tops. The box tops. He had like three or four giant hits Mm -hmm. that are still on the radio today. Yeah. And then Big Star really didn't do, I mean, they were amazing albums, but they didn't do anything. So at the time, he'd already not been famous for a while. And he was like moving on thinking like that he wasn't going to become like what it became no one one thing that's cool though is we did stay with him that night and he taught me open g tuning which is, is what i keith went richards thing? yeah the keith richards tuning and i yeah. ended up playing that with eagles of death metal later on but i always played it un- since he showed me that in 81 or something yeah and then it came in handy later yeah but that was cool he showed me a lot of cool stuff a lot of slide stuff he, he was he was a really interesting super super smart guy yeah did you one stay in touch one. with him until? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. We were we were friends. I used to go see him play when he would play out in in uh, L.A. When when we were living here, we'd all go out and hang out with him. And then when I moved back to New Orleans to start the restaurant, we were hanging out quite a bit. Not all the time, but you know, we'd go see him play and hang out a little bit. So how did the restaurant end? Well, I was taking a date to see uh, Ike Turner play at House of Blues and. There was a uh, a gas leak which caused a bit of a fire, and it wasn't a huge bad fire, but it uh, <laughs> it it ruined the electrical system of a building that was built in 1894. Mm-hmm. So it hadn't been redone since the late 20s or early 30s. So mm-hmm. it caused a bit of damage. the The strange thing was when it caught on fire, there were two fire departments playing across the street playing softball across the street so they came to help us but all every single one of the five fire extinguishers that were there were Didn't all work. Em- they were all empty i mm. grabbed one and it was empty and i grabbed another and it was empty and my friend grabbed another and it was empty and it didn't do that much damage but it was a very interesting evening to right. say the least and that was the end of the restaurant that was the end of the restaurant and then, so how long after that were you like, okay, I'm going to L.A.? Probably like three months later. Well, three months later, I got the call to go to Europe. And so I ended up going to Europe with Caius on, on a tour. And we all became really great friends. And it was it was really fun touring with those guys because their whole scene was we're all, we'll all set up the gear together. We'll mm-hmm. all unload the gear, set it up make the stage look cool as hell, work on getting the lights together, the sound together, and then we'll play, and that's all we're going to do for the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's more than most people would ever consider doing as a band. Right. And it was really fun. We were really, it was it was a good time. How long was that tour for? That tour was probably like for four or five weeks, and then I ended up touring with them for about a year and a half. And then... I kind of just wanted to start doing other stuff. Strangely, strangely enough, when I had my restaurant, I got a call from Fred Drake, who was living here at the Rancho de la Luna, and he asked if I wanted to become partners in a studio with him here, mm-hmm. even though I just opened a restaurant in New Orleans. And how'd you know him? I'd worked with him on a couple of records, and, oh, okay. and he was he was awesome. We became good friends, and and actually, before I left for New Orleans. I started coming out here more. I'd already been coming out and for day trips. Like, so he found this place. He found this place in the two houses on the property, and he was already living out here. And I'd been coming out here 
like on our first trip to LA in 82, we went through the park and I fell in love with it. I didn't really come back for about five or six years, but then I started coming back to do mushrooms in the mm-hmm. park or, you know, I'd drive out for the day and then yeah. drive back into LA. And when he moved out here, I would come out and visit him and you know, stay, stay for, for a night or two. And then it was, it was very strange to get the call from him because I had no interest in coming back. I was really rooted in New Orleans and never thought I would leave maybe for, you know, a vacation or something. Right. But, uh, yeah, he called and somehow I said, yeah, and we became partners in the studio. What do you think made you say, yeah, or what were you up to in New Orleans at that time if the restaurant was done? I was making a pizza when he called oh, for a customer. Right. Oh. And, so the restaurant was still kind of going then. Yeah, when he yeah when he called, I yeah. was definitely just getting the restaurant really rolling. Oh. And uh, and what, what, so what struck you, like, oh, I'm just going to bail on this and go? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's strange because he asked me, and the thing that, that sealed the deal is, our friend Dean Chamberlain was selling all his studio gear, and that's where Fred and I had had met. Like Fred had worked as an engineer there. So where was there? That was uh, Dominion Way was the name of the studio, and it was in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he, uh, our friend Dean, was selling the gear, and his wife just wanted him out of the business. Uh huh. And so he told us he would sell us all his gear for six grand. Right. And basically, we could pay him 100 bucks a month until wow. it was done. So, so he was just giving you his gear. Yeah, because he, he, lo- he loved Fred. And yeah. He and I had had a couple of bands together, too. So so it seemed like an omen, maybe. It, it, it Plus, Fred said, he you know, we can just pay him like 100 bucks a month. He's not really in a, hurting for the cash. He just right. wants the gear to go somewhere cool. Yeah. So I just sent Fred a check for 3000 figuring, like, yeah, well, I'll get out there at some point and we'll do something. But... Then it turns out nine months later, I didn't have a restaurant, and I was go- I see. and I was going back and forth between uh, L.A. and and New so, Orleans. Okay, so it was a double omen. It was that, and then the the fire, and then it was like okay, yeah. It's like it was like the universe sort of deciding for you in a way, like exactly push, pushing you in that way, telling yeah. you you're in the wrong spot. Yeah, it did. And, you know, it's it, it's always funny when you think that you're having such a bad thing happened to you right. that leads you to even better things yeah the worst things in my life have been the best things in my life yeah when, and some of the best things have you know been struggles yeah exactly yeah that's interesting that my friend uh cerise was telling me about how there's this astrology based on location because she's like a musician who hasn't been doing music much in la and and the astrologer told her it was location-based, and if she wanted to like pursue music, she should go to the UK, and also Thailand <laughs> would be good. So like whatever, if you believe in that or not, but it's interesting, like just the, you know, the whole, the way your whole life shifts just by where you are, and especially someplace like it's sort of spirit-based is this. I mean, in a way, it's almost reductive to say, oh, it's like psychedelics, but because this place in and of itself is a psychedelic. Just even being here is like... I agree. And yeah. and as you well know, because you've recorded here... Uh, I did. That, yeah. that New Orleans and there's Joshua a, Tree... There's a relationship. There's a relationship, and they're kind of opposites, but not really. Yeah. You know, like New Orleans is kind of dark and makes you want to... 
do <laughs> yeah do interesting things yeah, yeah well uh yeah maybe dance with the spirit realm it, encur- it encourages that because it's it shows it reveals its presence the same way it does here exactly yeah and this is just more of a laid back bright light whereas that's rainy and i don't mean dark in a bad way right but it's you know it's it's a totally different vibe than here here it's mm-hmm. definitely bright and shiny and happier maybe i don't i, I don't yeah. know that that's exactly the right word because new orleans is very happy too but it's it's a good it was a good place to be in both places here yeah. and there it's interesting the places that draw you in too yeah you know so you you must have gone to new orleans from memphis then or is that oh, where, yeah. is that where you went from childhood then to new orleans was that the next step no, I, when I was a kid, I went to New Orleans in probably 1969 or 70 mm-hmm. with my parents on a trip, and I f- immediately fell in love with it. Right. And then I started going there with the modifiers. We'd play occasional gigs. We we had these weird gigs where we would play, um, it's called Parents Without Partners. So single parents would go to these kind of dance things. They would hire. So is it kind of like to try to get hooked up with another parent? Absolutely. (laughs) And then they hired the modifiers to get that love vibe going. Yeah, it sounds like the wildest thing ever. Well, you sounds like oh my god. You wouldn't you wouldn't really realize until you got there that like oh maybe we should be playing Elvis songs and all the covers that we know. Yeah, and then that would be a little better. But so we would do stuff like that. And so I, I, I kind of fell in love with it then, but I ended up doing doing the uh, gun club show, and then we really fell in love with Los Angeles because there was a great scene then. L.A. Yeah. In, in the 80s. Yeah, early 80s. Like the punk scene, the hardcore scene and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So you fell into that pretty good? Yeah. The first night in L.A., we went to Cafe de Grand, which is where we were going to be playing a couple of nights later. Mm-hmm. And I met uh, three people I ended up playing in, bands with and are still very good friends with the very first night i went to valley interesting and and they are pleasant gayman texacala jones and iris berry and i met a few other people i'm still friends with but the first night our singer milford uh disappeared and i ran into this girl texacala jones who had dated Jeffrey Lee Pierce, and he had started a band called Tex and the Horseheads with her. Mm-hmm. Is that like after Gun Club or? It was during Gun Club. During Gun he, Club. he started he he started the band for her, but then he got other people to back her up. Oh, okay. But she said that she had seen Milford leave with a questionable lady, uh-huh. and we went out in the the alley by the Cathay de Grand, and he was laying on the ground with his pants down around his knees. So. Mm-hmm. He'd been mugged in all of our money. He had all our money, so it had been stolen. So uh, she took us back in, bought us drinks, and uh, Pleasant and Iris were working at the bar, and they had a place called Disgraceland. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an infamous punk rock house. Um, a lot of the Go-Go's had lived there, like wow. a lot of people, and it was basically a party 24-7. Mm-hmm. And they said we could stay with them for a couple of nights. So we ended up staying with them and becoming really good friends. And then I had bands with all three of those girls. Oh, and this really? and one that all four of us were in called the Ringling Sisters that um, Lou Adler, I don't know if you know who Lou Adler is. He produced 
Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. And, I know the name. Yeah. Cheech and Chong. Right. He did all the Cheech and Chong albums. And yeah. He'd done basically everything he ever did except for our album was huge. Right. Oh, well. So, yeah, he was a producer for music as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah or was, that was his strict thing? Yeah, he, he, movies he or? owns the whiskey and the, oh, okay. and the Roxy. He put, right. he put on the... That's the, yeah. That's, yeah, the Roxy. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. He, he put on Monterey Pop Festival with... Because he did the Mamas and the Papas, so he was best friends with John Phillips. And they, right. they, they were the ones that put on Monterey Pop Festival. That's so funny. Lanigan brought up John Phillips yesterday, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, about about his memoir or something. Though. I bet it's I'm, crazy. What, Lanigan's or Both. John Phillips? Yeah. <laughs> Both, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Pretty great. yeah. That's interesting. So what? then the Go-Go's went huge, I guess, right? Huge. Yeah. They were major. And it's funny, I've been hearing, we got the beat a lot on different radio stations wherever I've been going. For mm -hmm. some reason, that song has just, it keeps popping up in the weirdest places. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a great one. Who it's wrote that? I think Jane Whelan might have written that. Yeah. Hmm. When you were in, in L.A. in the whiskey in the 80s, was the punk, the punk rock scene big then in, in L.A.? Oh, yeah. Definitely, and, then, and, and the beginning of like hair metal and stuff. Yeah, that was my next question. The whole Guns era on the in the on the strip in L.A. and Motley Crue. Were you around for all that? Boys and how did that affect you guys? It didn't really affect us that much. It, everybody kind of had that look, kind of like gothy. You know, we all were wearing leather pants and black t-shirts and mm -hmm. cowboy boots. And I never got into the hairspray myself, but yeah, everybody did. Did you have big hair at all, or like long hair? I had long hair, but I didn't yeah. have. I never did the big hair. Never thing. poofed it out. No, no products. You know, it just seemed to be a pain in the ass to do. Yeah, that. but like the, a lot of the people I played with did, and all the people, you know, like all the bands like Guns and Roses and L.A. Guns and everybody, they all played at the same places. Raji's when they started, and then they moved to the other end of the strip. Gazaris and Roxy and mm -hmm. the Whiskey. I was really excited about playing the whiskey until I found out as soon as you're done, they throw your shit on the street. Right. And basically, like, good luck. All right. You can come back in once you you figure out what you're going to do with your gear. Right. But what are you going to do with your gear? Yeah, because there's that opening, right? And then yeah. you just shove it out they and just then they put it. on the next band. It's and like you're, you're on Sunset Boulevard with all your gear and a million people walking by. Yeah. It was a very strange experience was it pay to play too right uh not not for us i mean not around the time that we started playing there i i never did the pay to play but i i did work as a stage manager for viper room for a while oh yeah and i saw a lot of people paying uh the promoters before they played and it was always it was very sad because kids would give a promoter maybe like three or four hundred bucks before they played to like four of their friends. Right. When that 400 bucks could have gone to a rehearsal spot with a keg of beer and a hundred of their friends. Yeah. But people just think that if they play the Viper Room, or at least they thought, I guess, yeah. if they played that, that would give them a little bit of. It's so funny chasing the rock and roll dream. It is. I, it's kind of tragic. I'm still <laughs> chasing it, I guess. Uh, I am too. Yeah. It's I'm also tragic not to chase it. It is, you know, I mean, you got to really, 
I think a lot of people, you know, people were like, oh, you're really lucky, you know, and you're always getting to tour and do this and that. And it's like, well, I'm available. Right. That's that's why I get to tour because I've made myself available because that's what I want to do. Right. I want to do it. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't, you know, they're like, well, I'd love to go to Europe, but I've got this gig and yeah, I'm working at this restaurant or whatever. Yeah. Or my wife won't let me. Yeah. That's that the happened. other one. Yeah. Looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. Ehud almost couldn't come to L.A. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm yeah. here. But he's here. Yeah. I'm glad you are. It's been a while since Thank I've seen you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Last time I saw you was with Eagles at St. Vitus in yep. Brooklyn. I know. You were filming. Yeah, yeah. And I think Matt Matt Jenkins uh, was the bass player on that gig. McJunkins. McJunkins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And his, the guy who's with him in Beta Machine was the drummer. Yeah, Jeff Friedel. Does the lineup on Eagles change often? Yeah, they they've been changing quite a bit. It's funny with that show. I don't know if you remember. I was yelling at the lighting guy. Cause, yeah, yeah. Because you were filming it, and he went dark. <laughs> he went dark. <laughs> he shut the lights off. It was so dark, I couldn't see what I was doing. Yeah, and, and they was, was like, "Turn the lights up." Well, I, I was it. like, "Mr. Lighting Guy, could you please turn the lights up?" And then the second song, "Mr. Lighting Guy, could you please turn the lights up?" It's funny, the third you song, you remember like, that, dude? Can you? Fucking turn, turn the, the lights, fucking lights up. I'm like, I can't see anything up here. And they're filming it. He never turned the lights no, up. No, he was. He was difficult. Yeah. He, He's being artistic. He was super nice at the end of the night, too. He's like, man, I hope we can work together again. I was like, I don't I don't uh, think we're going to be doing that. <laughs> How did it come about that you started playing with them? Uh, I got a call from Josh, Hami, that uh, he said they were looking for someone to do a couple of tours. Right. And again, I was available. And right. luckily, I played that tuning a lot. So, because Jesse only plays in open G tuning. Is that right? Every song. Every is song in, is written in that. Yeah, I have a hard time with that tuning, and basically, like, I love that tuning, you know. But I always end up playing. For one, I play the Keith Richards riff. Absolutely. You know, I make a Keith Richards esque riff always. Sometimes you could do cool finger picking stuff with that too. It's really cool for it's that. It's great for that too. But then I have a hard time, like, I guess, knowing the different chords when I'm in that mode or like how to make something minor to major, all that. Like, I need to really, like, I guess, practice that tuning. It's not the easiest to play solos that have been played in a standard tuning. Right. Like, Josh is a really good guitar player, and a lot of those songs are played in standard tuning and then you have to learn oh, okay a solo in a weird yeah the fingering then is yeah. all bizarre probably. you're kind of all over the place yeah and you record so are you like a full-on member of that band or just a no, touring member no like? i was just a touring member I, I stopped touring with them about a year ago because i, I got so busy at the studio and i yeah. have a couple other bands and i uh, my friend Bingo and I launched a mezcal company, Rancho de la Luna Mezcal. Right. So that started taking up a lot of time, and we weren't doing, we weren't touring for a while. They took about a year off, and they right. they just started touring again. But at this point, I'm just too busy to, yeah, to do it. Yeah. So how did the mezcal company come about? We were kind of joking around. Um, my friend Bingo, uh, he was saying we should have a tequila. Because everyone brings tequila out here, and, mm -hmm. and Hutch had built a Patron tree with all the empty bottles. Right. Because 
everyone that came out was like yeah. psychedelics or tequila. Exactly. Yeah. So it became <laughs> this kind of joke. And then uh, a friend of mine came over very, very quickly after that was brought up. And he was with a friend that asked if we'd ever thought about Mezcal because she knew some people that wanted to have partners in the States. So right. the next thing you know, we're making mezcal is it like the brand like you're actually making it or how does it, how do you go about it or our is it more of a are, branding thing yeah our, 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 we found uh, a really cool family that makes the best mezcal and we became partners and oh, okay we threw our name on it and it's it's really really good i know you don't drink anymore i don't drink a whole lot anymore right but i do enjoy this the, the mezcal a lot it's very very mellow it's, it's not right. like getting really shit faced or anything you know it's, it's just kind of a mellow I, I do it i sip on it what's the difference between mezcal and tequila the region it's grown that's it really. yeah it's not the strength or no. the quality or anything it's, it's a different kind of a what smoke. smoke yeah yeah it's uh it's agave that's uh pit smoked you mm -hmm. know like and then and then once it's smoked it's ground down, and then that's distilled, and that's what mezcal is. That's why it's got a bit of a smoky flavor. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. And what's that called again? Mezcal? No, your mezcal. Rancho de la Luna mezcal. Rancho de la Luna mezcal. Okay. That's hmm. cool. Yeah. What's the packaging look like? I think there's a bottle laying around somewhere. I'd love to see it. Yeah. I don't know where... Do it they sell it in all the local bars in town? Uh, they do in a few. Pappy and Harriet's has it. Uh, Gotti's has it, but not not every place. We've been trying. There are a lot of places in New Orleans. More more in New Orleans and the Pacific Northwest, because we're slow. not we're we're expanding now, but um, we're kind of like slowly expanding. So right now we're in Illinois, Louisiana, California, and Oregon. And if someone in New York wants to buy it, what do they do? They have to order it. If you, yeah, if you go to if you go to the ranchomezcal dot com, you can you can order it. But it's going to be in New York pretty soon. Not n maybe in the next uh, six weeks. I think we'll be in New York. That's yeah. cool, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Drink responsibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or so, don't. And <laughs> then, like, uh, how did the desert sessions come about? out here and are those continuing or is that something back in the day or yeah what? I, you know that they do continue uh josh decided that he wanted to bring strangers out to the desert and throw a bunch of people together and see what happens mm -hmm. and so the first one was a lot of super close friends right with people he'd been playing with and we we had a blast so he just kind of evolved from there and he started asking more people he didn't know as well but admired right so then it just kept growing and growing yeah and they're they're always super fun sessions because you bring in all these people that have never worked together and everyone has their idea and everyone's so good that things just kind of they roll so fast because you know as yeah. you well know if, if you've got a song and you've got great players things just happen yeah well that energy too of just uh like we're I don't know when you sort of cr make creativity happen. Like uh, I, got, I got signed early on to Peter Gabriel's Real Absolutely. World label, and he had these things called Recording Week, where all these different musicians came in from all over the world, like you know families from India, African musicians, Chad Blake, you know John yeah. Leckie, Joe Strummer came out, 
all that kind of thing and they would just make like you know improvisational records you know carl wallinger from world party yeah. and all that and that yeah. must have been the most incredible th- i've never it, been to uh, it, real world it was studios, insane but. it was insane because i worked minimum wage you know at, at a guitar shop was my last like job and then i got a cassette went to peter gabriel and then next thing i know i was at real world and i had been a bass player that had like was good at slapping and popping and all this other <laughs> shit i just started writing songs i didn't really kind of even know why i was there i knew i was getting signed yeah and then peter came and said hey you want to um help us with a song in the studio and i said yeah i could play bass or something he goes i was thinking that you would sing and write lyrics and i was like holy shit next thing i know i was like doing a duet with him singing and writing lyrics with Carl Wallinger and just like, uh, it just was, it came out on this album called Big Blue Ball. They finally like produced it all. It took ages for, I think Stephen Haig put it all together or something who produced like, uh, um, what was it, New Order and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the Desert Session seems like a kind of a version of that energy. Like just. I think, yeah, it sounds exactly like Sounds very similar. I've always wanted to go to Real World Studio. I've had a few friends record there, and it sounds like the coolest studio ever. Yeah, well, it's... It's still in the same place, Joe? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I guess it's probably similar in in the fact that it's like, you know, this place is like you're... You know, when you're here, what else are you going to... I mean, there's there's a focus to being in a situation like this place. I'm looking at the sky behind you. It's gorgeous. It's just like... Yeah, the the sunset is... It's unbelievable. It's almost like we should take a break. Let's do it. Let's take a let's take a sunset break. Let's take a sunset break and then come back because I want to see that. <laughs> Glad you said that because yeah. I wanted to too. Yeah. <laughs> I tell my daughter every time there's a sunset, I'm like, Carmen, sunset alert! Let's go see it. Well, typically here when you're working, that is one of the things you do. Take a sunset break. Yeah. If it's like this, which is insane. It is insane. Yeah, so that was a nice sunset break. That was nice. Yeah, so we came up with a collaborative project while we took a sunset break. Are we recording? Of course. Course. Called uh, the Manifestors. I love that. We might make a project called the Manifestors. It's gonna they, be very positive. Yeah, we're gonna just write about how people love us and we're getting rich. You know what I was thinking about too is like I feel like the hip hop community is already like really locked into that because if you think about how many songs they have that is based about like how much money they're rolling with, all the fashion they have and everything, and I, the, like and they do end up manifesting all that kind of, you know, I guess it's called drip or yeah. you know like all that all that abundance. Like yeah. I feel like there's like some serious wisdom in that. It's- I never thought about it, but you are absolutely correct. Yeah, because we were just outside talking about like people who have some manifested some negative consequences um, by various names and stuff like that and things like that. But like, yeah, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because words are powerful. They are. And it's easy to be negative in certain times. Yeah, I, I work on my state of mind every day. That's like a big priority. Yeah, I admire that about you. Thank your, your, you. Your health and your art and your and your positivity. Yeah. And as much as I try, I, I still find myself bitching about stupid things, and then I catch myself and try to 
erase that and it's a daily thing yeah. it's a daily i wake up i put on a mantra first thing usually some kind of like positive like clean 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 that's like a love mantra to try to get love into your life that's a good ha- one ha- yeah and then there's like ho'oponopono which ehud hates it when i bring that <laughs> go up for it. Go for i it. love you i'm sorry please forgive me and thank you and um all that kind of stuff going on runs with positive mantras and stuff this would be an amazing place to run it is i would think yeah especially you, at dawn well the sand is really good for you too because it's yeah. not a hard surface you could do barefoot running a lot of rabbits around here i saw yeah our friend trina shoemaker she's a really awesome engineer and yeah she, I, I i met her in new orleans yeah yeah she's awesome yeah, she's out here now no she, or she's she, in new orleans but a long time ago she did a really great victoria williams that we we talked about getting yeah. victoria williams We're on try to show. Get victoria and she did a great album of victoria's called musings of a creek dipper mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful record and it was like one of the first real albums that we did mm-hmm. you know when we started here at the at, yeah at the rancho yeah but she ran every day and she loved it she said that it was you know i tried running for a while but i was i always just wore my boots oh yeah that's and, not good bro <laughs> I mean, you got to get the real, you got to get like, I got the image in my mind. Dude, I was, I was getting you, pretty good though. Like the first day I could, I could make it around the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy and I'm older. Then the second day I'd get two times around the house, yeah. and, but I was almost dying. And then the third day I'd get three times around the house and I was like, Hey, that's a pretty killer. And I'm actually recovering from that. Yeah. But then it, I never really got it together. Long walks are also good. Yeah. Yeah, and around here is a beautiful place to go walking. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I was I was just staying at a hotel in L.A. and it's funny because their "Do Not Disturb" sign was like one of those clever ones. It was like in, and then it was like being naughty, and then it was like <laughs> out looking for trouble. That was the two, which is one of those ideas that should have just been like you know brought up at the meeting, and then they were like, "That's okay, we can't actually do that." But they went through that. And I was like thinking, I'm sensitive to words to the point where I'm like, okay, in being naughty, it's like, for one, and you could say, okay, stop taking things so seriously. And true, fair enough. But like, but still, like, in being naughty, I wasn't in being naughty. So I feel like I'm missing out for one. Yeah, of course. Everybody else is being (laughs) naughty. What the fuck? I'm not. And then out looking for trouble. That's the one where I was like, out looking for trouble. That shit, like what we were talking about before. That sensitivity of words, you know, yeah. they actually sort of, they're, they're powerful. You yeah. know, first came the word, apparently. I don't yeah. know. Have you ever read that book, The Secret Messages in Water? No, but it sounds awesome. It's pretty wild. It's like, I don't know um, the whole ins and outs of it, but like the scientist would like write words on a water bottle. Like if he wrote love and then you semi-freeze it and the crystals of it would be like these beautiful, like, you know. Oh, yeah, I have heard of that. You've seen that. Like, yeah, and then uh, um, if he put like, fuck you on the water bottle, it would be like fucked up, like asymmetrical. Yeah. So, yeah, I tattooed a bunch of good words on me. I feel like we're like mostly water, so. Yeah. I think that might have helped. I hope so. I hope so, it too. Se- it seems like you're happy and healthy. <laughs> I'm going for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm try- That's the new punk rock. Yeah. I think, you know. I've always been striving for health and happiness. Yeah. Well, and also, like, you're, I've noticed, like, some people who are really creative with music have a real create creative streak in putting together environments, like, 
like Greg Dooley's really good at it. We were just at Mark Lanigan's house, and it was amazing. Yeah. And then of course this place is incredible. Thank what do, you. What do you think? Like how how do you get your skills at putting together environments, or did this just come together over years? Well, it started with Fred, mm-hmm. and uh, also thrift stores and swap meets were a lot better. Right. You know, twenty five years ago. Right. And you could find super. I mean, you can still like that thing for instance oh yeah that that was a birthday gift for fred that's beautiful (laughs) the funny thing is is we bought that thinking it was this antique and then after we bought it for him the next day from this antique store they had another one (laughs) (laughs) that's great but he did love it because he was a cowboy and it it fits him really well yeah but it it is kind of strange how yeah and the kiss hat too. Were you into kiss? Oh yeah, totally. Which one do you identify with? Uh, I was most. A, I was an ace guy. Ace. Myself. ace. I, embarrassingly, I'm a, I'm a Gene guy. Yeah, I hate it, but it's true. Well, I still write like Gene Simmons. I mean, yeah, she that song. Yeah, this is the best. <sighs> They're great. I still I still think they wrote you still great write rock and roll songs. Gene Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, like on the note, the note from. Uh, Kiss Alive one. I always write my lettering looks oh, like the Kiss oh. Alive. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish I could write I like you were pen pals or something. <laughs> I still write Gene every day. Oh, Gene, I miss you. Like. <laughs> yeah. Joe mentioned Lanigan and Dooley, and we were listening in the car collaboration between you and Lanigan. And I know you've played with Dooley and Twilight Singers. Yeah. And How Lanigan. far do you guys mm-hmm. go back? I met Lanigan, I mean, uh, Greg, in 99, I believe. I was on tour with Queens of the Stone Age, and mm-hmm. we played a show together in, uh, I've forgotten exactly where we were. Our next show was in Greece together in Athens, but the day before, I think I, he would know. It was a festival somewhere, but that's funny because, you know, I, I don't want to step on names while I'm dropping them, but Dave Grohl had was friends with both of us and he told me I needed to hang out with Greg and vice versa. Oh, really? So when we finally met, we did hit it off because he was living in New Orleans or at least working there quite a bit at the time Greg was. Greg, oh yeah. At Kingsway probably, yeah. right? With Mike Napolitano. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's how I know Greg, through Mike Napolitano. Yeah. yeah. So did you work at Kingsway? Or did no, you ever I, meet Dan Lamois when he was down there? Yeah, I... I went there a few. I went there a lot, actually. My, my, I went on a trip with uh, my friend Larry Mullins, who went down to play drums on Iggy Pop's American Caesar, mm-hmm. and we drove from L.A. to New Orleans. And I stayed there for like a night or two before the band got in. We got in early, and they let us stay there. And uh, I was there for just a little bit of the recording, not much. Like they would let me pop in occasionally. I didn't realize Iggy made that record there, I don't think. Yeah. That's cool. Did you meet him? Oh, yeah. You know him? Oh, yeah, he's yeah. worked here before. Yeah, he did his last record here. Oh, wow, that's wild. Did but, you work on that? Uh, I was here. I didn't really work on it or play yeah. on it. But, yeah, I, I mean, I met him a lot because Larry was playing drums with him. So yeah, we hung out uh, quite a bit at some of the shows because I would go to a lot of the shows. I'm a huge, huge, I mean, listening to the Stooges oh, since man. I was a kid. Yeah, me too. They're like the best. The best. Those, those I mean, f- what's your favorite? Raw Power is still my favorite. Really? Just that was, this was the first one. I, I mean, I know everybody says Fun House is the first yeah. one. But the, there's something about Raw Power, even though that's not the Stooges Stooges. Right. You know, it, it is. Arnie just bought the 
uh, first edition of it. He's waiting for it to arrive right now. Yeah, but then they remixed it too, and they put bass on it. Yeah, or whatever. They turned the bass up. Yeah, and it wasn't as good. Everybody complains about no, that. that because it had that great energy with like. Even though there was bass on it, without the bass, it has that energy. Oh like, man, energy's crazy. I mean, the first—I'll yeah. never forget the first. I was at my friend uh, Randy Murley's house. Yeah, and he put it on, and it blew my mind. Yeah, and it still is exciting today as it was the first time I heard it. What's the first one called? The first one is just just the Stooges. Stooges. Yeah. That's the one John Cale produced, yeah. and it has that like crazy mantra jam. Like yeah. the second song is like Om Shanti. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it goes on for so long. It's yeah. wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. But, yeah, going down to, to being in New Orleans, it, the, it's a funny story, but uh, one night when they were recording, uh, I stopped by, and they decided they were get, wanted to go out to eat. So we, we went to eat uh, on Decatur Street, and then they wanted to go have a drink before going back to the Kingsway. So we right. went to the Blacksmith Bar. Uh-huh. Jean Lafitte's Blacksmith Bar. It's the oldest oh, right. bar in, in the United States. Uh-huh. And uh, we were the only people in there. The band, Iggy, um, Malcolm was engineering, and maybe one other person. But we were sitting around the piano. There's a piano in the back of it. Mm-hmm. And I just remember there was a, a couple guy playing piano and a girl. And she, she had, <laughs> even though we were the only people there and at the piano, she had a microphone. And she had a tiny little Vox amp. And she she played a song. She was like, hey, you guys look like you're a band. Are you a band? Y'all in a band or yeah. something? Yeah. <laughs> and she, she holds out the mic. And Iggy's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're a band. Uh, uh, yeah, we're a band. And she goes, oh, what are you guys called? He's like, uh, well, I'm Iggy Pop, and this is my band. And she's like, oh, cool, cool. Are you are you uh you gigging around here? Uh-huh. And he's like, no, no, we're recording an album. Like, oh, that's real. That's that's real exciting. Okay, I want to play you another song. And it was just she had no still, clue. Still one of my favorite moments of my whole entire life. Yeah. It just was one of those moments. And of course, when he, you know, I've seen him over the years a lot because we've played shows together with with uh, Eagles. Have played festivals and mm-hmm. we've hung out and stuff. And I, I told him that story when we were hanging out. He's like, yeah, I don't remember that at all. I'm like, I, di- I didn't really expect you to re- remember, but that right. was really one of the best nights of my life. Just That's funny. And your Iggy impression is pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the energy, like sort of that, the, that naive like energy or something. Oh, it's he like, was so happy. Like, yeah. yeah. Probably like it's almost a method of putting people at ease because he's like an intimidating character. Yeah. So if he's like kind of... That sort of lilt to, or and probably just real authentic yeah. enthusiasm for it, it, life. It was obviously the funny thing yeah. is that the first night that Larry played with them, they played some weird party uh, in San Francisco, and I just remember the very first thing he did is he they started whatever song, and he ran up to the front of the stage, grabbed the mic stand, and threw it backwards as hard as he could without yeah. looking, uh-huh. and luckily Larry saw it the last second and just went moved his head yeah. and, and the base of the microphone stand just went right where his head was yeah that could kill it, somebody it it probably wouldn't have killed him but it probably would have knocked him out for sure yeah but it was just such a good thing he's just playing drums all right i'm, I'm in now <laughs> so how much time do you spend in new orleans now nowadays like do you are you there half the time or not no no, no. I, I go on for, occasion yeah i go there for mardi gras Pretty much every year, unless I'm on tour. Yeah. Uh, I my friends have a 
a band called Danola, and they just they just won best heavy metal and punk band, even mm-hmm. though they're really neither. They're just a rock band, right? A really good rock band, and they're really really great friends of mine. The drummer and I have been playing together for almost thirty years. I, he's the one that got me. His name is Jimmy Ford, and he he got me the restaurant. He's the one that taught, told me about it. But they also have a band called Pink Slip, and this year will be their 20th year. They play in parades down there. So mm-hmm. they play in like four or five parades. And when I have time, I go down and I sit in with them on their float. You That's know, we, cool. Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. They're great people, and it's it's mostly cover songs, but we get to throw in our songs as well. Right. So we'll be playing. I, I wrote a song called I Want to Die in New Orleans. Careful with that manifestation stuff, bro. I, I of course, you're going to have to die somewhere, probably. But that's the thing. is, It's not, I want to die right now in yeah. New Orleans, but it's eventually when I do, I want to yeah. be there. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. I don't know. It's a fun city. Not out here, though? Well, at the t- I wrote that song in, like, 92. So yeah. At the time, yeah, I wanted to. Wanted to <laughs> I, did, I wasn't in a hurry. Right. <laughs> But I thought that would be a good place to go. Celebratory. Exactly. Instead of this sort of tranquil. I just meant when I finally have to. Right. It seems like the place to do it. Do you have like, um, what What do you have like, what do you think happens when you die? It's a good question. Uh, I don't, I have no idea. Yeah, but like what do you think? Or what, if you had to like guess. I would think that. The, my particles go back into what makes other things happen. Yeah. But I'm not sure it's uh, like I'll, I'll be conscious. Yeah. Or if it'll just my my essence will go into the world and become something else. Right. It's always an uh, interesting thought, though. Yeah. What do you think? I think uh, that, that death is not the end. No, definitely not. Yeah, and I think like... Uh, I mean, I spend a lot of time disidentifying from my thoughts, like going into things like metacognition where like, if I'm like, okay, I'm like afraid, I'll go like, who's afraid? (laughs) Who's asking who, who's afraid? Yeah. And so then I just like kind of knock myself into being the witness of my thoughts. Yeah. And then that's interesting. And I feel like the more time you spend is just that sort of overriding presence, witnessing everything. You realize, okay, you're not this limited being. Right. And so that, that sort of makes me think when I that that was here before I was born and it's going to be here after I'm dying and the only thing that's going to disappear is the mental noise and like uh, and the, and then that thing that I become in those moments is exactly the same thing as what you are and what everybody is and what you know it's like yeah we that thing is the presence that we are all one yeah i mean when i was a kid you know you always thought you were going to be on the green hill with the guy with a long beard and long white hair and a robe i am with the guy with the long beard (laughs) (laughs) he manifested it here i am i manifested it (laughs) in heaven this is kind of heavenly yeah yeah but i you know i i mean obviously there's just too much going on to just like it there's no way it's going to just end yeah and i don't think i'm going to be judged for the things i've done and i don't think there's going to be virgins waiting for me and i don't think it's a bummer i mean i mean not that there's anything (laughs) wrong with that but yeah i think it just kind of you just go back into the universe yeah and 
I'm not really sure. And who knows? Yeah. yeah. Do you have? Do you like spend any time in prayer and meditation or anything like that? Do you have any kind of that situation happening? No, I used to a little more than I do now, but I, I don't know. I, 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 I probably should. Well, there's no, I don't know if there's a should. I think music is a man. I mean, yeah. meditation when you play guitar, like, yeah. don't you slip into it then? Just like. Well, like like all of a sudden three hours pass by and you're like what the fuck well definitely that but yeah. I mean I do know a lot of people that meditate I have a really hard time focusing mm-hmm. on things so I have way too many thoughts that are always bouncing around in my head yeah but maybe that's why I should meditate right well that's it's a muscle like Pema, yeah. Pema, Pema Chodron she's like a heavy duty Buddhist like genius lady I don't really know the the rules of what you're supposed to say, <laughs> what what the actual name you're supposed to give, but she's like high up there, or whatever, like a spiritual teacher, and she talks about meditation, and it's really like inspiring because she's like, yeah, I'm shitty at meditation too, <laughs> and it's so inspiring ha- hearing somebody so heavyweight like yeah. her who like every like, you know, she's been on Oprah and all this other stuff. Not that that's the measure, but still, she's <laughs> yeah. she's she's legit. Like yeah. her like. And just like, yeah, like the fact that she struggles with her mind and that stuff too. But yeah, that's the whole point. Like, okay, who's having, who's having obsessive thoughts? Who's asking who? Who's having obsessive yeah. thoughts? Kicks you out of the obsessive thoughts. Yeah, it, you it, know that's well, okay, dude. I was just fucking with that chord. <laughs> there's there, there's a place out here <laughs> called you, there's a place out here called the Integratron. Oh right, I heard about I, that. Yeah, no, we just saw that yeah. on, on uh, Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Um, we were watching that on the Something way up here. Something with sound. Too. Yeah. Like, While you were driving. Well, I was. Hey, like we were doing. You know. I, I was. I was driving. Yeah. He was we were getting into the spirit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So what is that thing? So a guy named George Van Tassel. He worked for Hughes Aircraft, and he said he was visited by Venusians. Right. And they taught him how to build this cellular rejuvenation. Are they thing. local? Uh, it's local, yeah. It's no, it's, it's, it's in Landers. The so Venusians are they local? Oh, local. And that's where you, that's where you have a house in no, Landers. Right? Landers, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, you live next to this. In, what's it called? Integratron. Integratron, yeah. I like that name, like integral. Uh, it's awesome. It's it's, it's a <laughs> dome. There's no nails in the whole place. It's only put together by wooden dowels. And that's he, wild. he he was told that it would help rejuvenate your cells, not like a, a fountain of youth, but it would help heal and you know. Mm-hmm. It would, so anyway, before he completed it, he kind of forgot what they told him. So it never was completed. I heard they killed him or something. Or like it was like no, he 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 died, but it wasn't it wasn't like murder or anything. Right, but not, it was mysterious. No, it was not so mysterious, except for the fact that like the FBI and CIA came and confiscated all of his writings that and everything. That seems wild. Yeah, it, like, it, I don't think the CIA would give a fuck about my writings after I. Hell go. no, they don't you know care about. I mean, like, I mean like, yours maybe, but not mine I, for sure. Like, <laughs> mine, they'd be like, "What?" I don't know. I don't think. I don't think I qualify either. But I still maybe will build an Integratron just yet. Who yeah. knows? So who knows if who the knows? Venusians are in the in the house? Yeah. But he. So anyway, they uh, a couple of friends bought the place, and they they do sound baths there they do the crystal bowls right because the it, sound baths yeah because yeah, it yeah. wasn't finished and they really are looking for anyone that has information so they could finish it but they haven't been able to so they, now they do sound baths so you you go in there and you lay down yeah. and they play the crystal bowls and have you done that 
Oh, many, many, many times. Is it healing? or? It what? is. It's so that's all, meditative. It is. The thing is, I do know people that can meditate, and yeah. they say they, they leave their bodies when they go and do that. That's crazy. Me, myself, every time I'm laying there, I'm like, oh, what do we need to get for dinner? Because all these people are coming over but later. That is meditation, and, though. Is it? Yeah, yeah okay. dude, it's not a big deal. That's I don't what think. I do. I can't shut off. No, exactly. But, but I, I thought meditation was when you just like thought of black and then... I put on a mantra yeah. and then like you just like focus on or you like you focus on a breath or whatever like that and then you just go when the obsessive thoughts come you you know like the n- nature of the mind is to like think obsessively so it just yeah. makes sense that your minds are doing that yeah. it's just disidentifying with that so you that's what metacognition is for that's what it's like you know and it's like going to the gym and working out the more you start practicing being in the moment the the easier it comes to arrive at that place, you know. So that's probably those people are like good at it. So when they go in the sound bath, it's like oh, like oh yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I want to check that out. It, you would love it. It's really, it's really pretty amazing. And the people that own it and run it are great. They're yeah. really cool people. And they said there's like some kind of off the hook magnetic force there or something. There's a couple of waterways that run perfectly underneath it, which he would not. Uh, George Van Tassel would not have been able to figure out with how when he moved there, yeah. but they also used to have a lot of um, UFO conventions out there. Right? Do you believe in aliens and stuff like that? We were talking about this the other day. It's like, I think I saw a UFO when I was a kid, uh-huh. but I can't think that any intelligent life would want to come here. Why not? Because look how fucked up I we know, are. But are we really that <laughs> fucked up? Maybe we are. Yeah. I but but you know I was saying you know there's a billion billion zillion solar systems of course there ha- I mean how can we be the only yeah thing yeah I mean yeah well there's like I I just listened to a Joe Rogan podcast where they were talking about Area 51 they brought on that guy who I can't remember his name off the top of my head but he used to work there and he saw like some wild technology that was definitely like um, inconceivable that it came from here. Like it was like anti-gravity or something. I can't remember what it was. Well, I definitely believe there's other life forms either in a different dimension or smaller than us Mm -hmm. or infinitely huge or whatever, but definitely somewhere. It's gotta be. I mean, how, how can there be this much stuff? And it was definitely, I like, do you ever have like uh, experience with like synchronicity, like a bus going by with a message on it that seems like it's talking directly to you all the time? And the more you pay attention to that, the more it starts happening, right? Absolutely. See, like when that, like to me, that's like direct communication with the sort of intelligence. Yeah, I don't know the nature of that intelligence. And then there's some people that are super like Jesusy that think that might be demonic, but I actually think it's divine absolutely you know, it seems to me like it's encouraging mostly well it's like fred calling me while i'm making a pizza in my restaurant in new orleans do i want to be i mean that was a weird way of him inviting me to be a part of this yeah and somehow it, it this is the smartest decision i ever made for a reason i had no idea yeah why i made that decision right and how long ago did he pass away he passed away in 2002. I was really sorry for your loss. Thanks. Yeah, you would you would have loved him. He was a really awesome guy. I've heard about him. Yeah. And I remember when I came here, I heard a lot about him too, that he was like a really special 
He was. He really was a special guy. Like, yeah, when I came here, he had just recently passed. Yeah. Yeah. So how was it um, very difficult to, like, maintain the space and after that or for you? Or was it heartbreaking or was it just a natural transition or what, what was that like? It was it was pretty rough. We, we actually had a falling out before he passed away. That sucks. I've it, had that happen before, too. It, he was he had he had it harder than anyone I've ever known. He went through a lot. He, he'd been suffering for a very, very long time, mm -hmm. 20 years. And it had gotten progressively worse, and he was on. He had to carry a, a small suitcase full of medication. Right. So, towards the end, he got very paranoid and mm -hmm. decided that he didn't want to be friends. But right. luckily, I saw him a few days before he passed away. We were. He was having breakfast with his parents, and we ran into each other, and we hadn't really spoken for a while, and. uh it was great because we got to give each other a hug, uh -huh. and then he passed away a few days later. So it was it was really nice to be able to, you know, yeah, repair it, yeah, uh, repair a little yeah. bit. And then uh, after he passed, he wanted uh, his friends and me to take care of the place, right? And we tried it with a few people. It was it was a close friends, Dean, who sold us the the studio. He okay. wanted him. And he was like, yeah, I, I don't really feel like I should do this. It was your place, really. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. our. It was our place, and he invited other friends in. Yeah, and we tried to do it as a, as a team for a minute, but just wasn't really, you know, not a million people were trying to come here either. Right. So, and everyone was pretty poor. Yeah. You know, we none of us had tons of money, so it was just kind of going into a bit of disrepair too from right. just no one living here other people doing other things too many indians and not a chief kind of thing absolutely yeah and, and then at one point i just i was like i i think i need to take it over and everybody one of the guys was not super cool about it right there's always one there's always one there's always one everybody, everybody. i was about to go who was the one <laughs> yeah. i don't know if they names nah, but there, nah. there's always one there's always one how did you get rid of that guy i just i mean that's I, a harsh I, I, way of putting it but i didn't get, I, mean. I didn't get rid of him the, 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 the other guys all the all uh, other guys were like yeah we uh, we don't even know why we were even picked so right they saw but, the situation for what it was and the, and the other guy was like well i want to be part of it and i said well here's the deal then you you do it right but we I don't we don't need we don't need partners we need yeah, someone to take a focus up. and he didn't at, at that point he kind of relented and Right, you were like, okay, if that's the deal, then I'm bailing. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. I was like, I need a place by myself. And, yeah, and I'll and since we built it together, right, it should be me. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. And then now is, um, do you feel that Fred's spirit communicates with you now from oh, the other side? Absolutely. Like, fuck yeah! Right. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And that's it, through it, like synchronicity or like how does that how does that work? I I just. I just feel that part of him is always around, mm -hmm. and I I feel like when certain certain sessions that we're working on are here, that I can feel like a a bit of a happiness, bit. Yeah. you know, from like that he would be totally down with what's going on. Yeah, especially like when Iggy was here, and there, right. there's a, there's a bunch of sessions where you can kind of feel it. Yeah, and do any does 
is there any examples of things that happen or is it just a feeling more? it's just a feeling right yeah i've never i've never had like ghostly moments of right you know <laughs> of things like a guitar a guitar ringing just out like, ring fred's favorite chord <laughs> yeah They're, oh my god it's a d minor oh, the shit. saddest of all chords <laughs> That's funny, man. But I mean, maybe it's just me thinking that. But I mean, John works here a lot. You know, you can kind of feel like when the. I, 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 I've had those moments. I keep late hours up here a lot too. He what? I, I feel like he's fucking. He's fucking he's he keeps fucking late hours, and he was saying, yeah, he. Late hours, you know, yeah. I was sitting around here and I just fucking that, but definitely like the presence thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can you can feel like oh shit, he'd be really loud. Especially like it, it happens a lot, uh, not by the people that are here, but maybe like a f- fucking crazy synth sound you'll get, and you'll, you just be like, oh, yeah, that would he would have loved that, you know? right? And just even like yeah, putting him in your own spirit in your own space is like honoring him and celebrating him all the time Always. too. The fact that this place is like still a functioning beyond functioning you know creative realm like it is it's, it's honoring him and it's all because of him yeah I mean, I, he brought me in he you know it's all there's still tons of him around here yeah well that thing yeah <laughs> um and then so well, tell me about your pedal that you designed it's a it's a pretty cool pedal it's a yeah. fuzz octave wah and so it, is it the high octave thing the hendrixy thing or the low octave it, thing? it does both okay that's perfect you, you you would it's it's pretty funny <laughs> it, look, it looks like an evil knievel pedal but it, do we have that one around and we yeah, can see it i i do i think it's behind you it looks like it might be behind you here. it's in one of those bigger boxes yeah i can't remember which one is in but it uh this guy his name is dr no oh right He's got, he's pretty famous pedal maker, yeah, right? Yeah, he made he made an Alan Johannes pedal. Oh my god. So this is a fuzz wah octave. Oh my <laughs> god, dude, this is badass. How he, much do these go for? And what's the bro rate on this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're two part question. You know what? They're no, this, they're pretty pricey because he yeah. a, he actually builds them by hand. Yeah, this is wild. How much? I think those are like 350 or something that's not bad for all it does no it's it's Dude, this is like a one and done for me but also look at the like i'm the, getting one of these. just the rubber sole Dude. thing and it's got my story on there oh my god it's pretty ridiculous i'll, I'll, I'll check in on the bro rate check in on the bro rate i'm for real because yeah. i'm into minimalism yeah and i wanted to ask you about this too that is a genius looking pedal um and it comes with a keychain yeah dude this is sick um, he, he's made some one of my favorite pedals he makes is one called the colossus which is a octave fuzz box yeah. as well and uh he did it with a guy named ruben block and it's wings. it's amazing dude i'm gonna get one of these because i have a it's got wings even though even i, I tried to tell him that road runners don't fly <laughs> but they do have wings yeah so he, he, i mean who the hell puts wings on it i, I love it he's he's a real genius it's, it's a guy. little comic booky it's, it is it's like a superhero yeah pedal. captain america so yeah so yeah oh man so because i i'm getting into minimal minimalism like just one looper maybe and oh, yeah. one pedal like that's all i need that one you would love you it know does some cool stuff um he made one with Alan Johannes before he made that one, and, and his is really beautiful. 
Owls from Chile originally. Yeah. So he's got like uh, Chilean uh, money, like coins with oh. his birth year, and he and, and everything about it is about Owl's life, and it's really beautiful. <laughs> so when he said oh, so that, he does the, are they one offs or are they like no? That one's a commercial release. He he, he does a limited number oh, of whatever he does. Yeah. And, but but he makes everything himself so Mm -hmm. it's like okay so it's designed like you you came up with the concept of yeah he asked me if i wanted to do a pedal he goes what would you want i said yeah how about a fuzz octave wah because i like yeah all that yeah and so he he did that so when you when you go on the road do you usually take a very minimal pedal board or have you ever had like the big fucking spaceship as well? Or what, what's your deal with that? My pedal board is that one over there. Uh-huh. So and, just, then, and then I'll take one of those for the side of it. So that's like a kind of a medium size. Yeah. It, it's, I, I carry like a couple of delays. Um, what kind of delays do you like? I like the, uh, I'm right now I'm using the new Echoplex, the Jim Dunlop one. Uh-huh. And I'm using the Dispatch Master by Earthquaker Devices because it's really good. Shout out to Akron, Ohio. Yeah. And then the Boss uh, Digital Delay is always my favorite. Isn't that a killer one? Why it's, is that one so kick-ass? I use that one, too. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm just, not so much into the newer ones. I like the old ones that yeah. when you stop the pedal, it stops. Mm-hmm. And then they have the ones where you stop it, but it continues on until it dies. Yeah. And I'm not so down with that. Why not? Because... If you, you fuck up, yeah, <laughs> you can like stop it. Like, okay, yeah. that's cool. And sometimes, yeah, they even have one that has a tap tempo on that one. Yeah, too. that's a cool one. Yeah, but I don't have that one. Yeah. I just have the regular, yeah, old school. The, one. the Jim Dunlop has a tap tempo yeah. side piece thing. That I yeah. Have. What's your What's your take on tap tempo? For I, it, against it. I don't use it a whole lot. Yeah, I just kind of set it, and it's close enough. Right. I have this. Uh, killer fuzz called a rano bender you ever mess with one of those no but it sounds awesome i think it's based on the tone bender fuzz which is those are like what those really boutique expensive yeah. jams now but the rano bender's killer is it is it a rano like mick like, ronson yeah exactly all right yeah one of my favorites back to mick ronson yeah, yeah we talked about him a lot with keith today he was like big fan of mick ronson one of my very favorites yeah did yeah. you see the new dylan documentary i did I did. Yeah, what'd you think of that? I thought it was awesome. Yeah. His I, his lyrics, like, you forget. I mean, I I remember, like, always kind of, we were talking about it today, because I remember when I was a kid, people would try to get me into Dylan, and I like some of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, I really like uh, a lot of the, like, early, early, and then the mid stuff, like the uh-huh. Lamois stuff that they did, which right. was really cool. What about, like, Blonde on Blonde and Highway oh, 61? Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah. But I remember, like, when, the, uh, was it? What was the book that came out with all the lyrics? Oh, yeah. Biograph? Or, oh, or no. What was it? Biograph was like a CD set yeah. or whatever. What was album the book? Set. Anyway, it was the lyric book. The lyric book. I know he had that one called Tarantula. Yeah. That was like wild poetry book. Yeah. This one was and just like a Chronicles. Book of his... but you're talking about... Uh, Maybe so. Chronicles was his memoir. Yeah. but the, So there, you're talking there, about lyrics. Yeah, this was a book remember. of his lyrics. I was like, holy shit. But then uh, I tend to watch uh, some, some stuff with... Uh, subtitles and in that movie when he's singing the, the lyrics you're like every line which is a hundred lines yeah 
is better than any line of almost anyone. Yeah, it's it's pretty unbelievable. Like yeah. you, just especially the hurricane alone. That in the hurricane, yeah, every yeah. line is a story. Yeah. yeah, every every single line, and it's it's anyone would be lucky to have one line like that in a song that they've yeah. written. And it, we, I was talking with my friend. We were saying like you know certain people are just touched by magic, like mm-hmm. heavily touched by magic. Yeah. And he's definitely. Absolutely. One of those guys, that, like those lyrics, blows you. Even if you don't like his music, if you don't appreciate lyrics that amazing, then yeah. you're missing some. You're missing out on something. Yeah. Did you? Uh, I like "Time Out of Mind" a lot, which yeah. he, which he made in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, that's a great one. And that was like before that one. I remember he hadn't put out a record in so long, and it seemed like he might never put out another yeah. record. And then you heard tell of. Oh no, he's been working on one. And yeah, this, that, and the other, and then it finally came out, and it was just mind blowing. Yeah, was like what the fuck? This is as good as anything else he's done. Yeah, it's like a new character though. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then he just started putting them out, kind of at a clip. Like he's just kept putting out new records produced by like Jack Frost, which I guess was his, which is his <laughs> pen name for producing or whatnot. But yeah. Such an interesting artist. I'm never going to be another one like him. And then when he went into that old lay lady lay voice too, yeah. where he was totally changed up. This is how I sing now. Like, yeah. Just like, yeah. You know, like just very interesting. And well, just always like going against the grain. Like even that documentary that just came out apparently is is just like fiction too. Like it's not, re- it's not real. No, there's a lot of like, well, I don't want to spoil it for you. I, I hate spoilers. That's that's one thing I'm really not into. Isn't these that days. that's not common knowledge? It's I, not. I don't think so. I, don't think oh. so. I first saw it. I was assumed. Well, we better real. edit that out of the <laughs> other <laughs> podcast. Then. Fuck fine. that. I don't want to ruin it for everybody. It's fine. I heard that though, so I just thought everybody knew that. Yeah. So people don't know that. Okay, we can move on to a different topic. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it either. No, it's so funny with, with spoiler gonna... alerts. Like in magazines now, you're just like. They just give you the end of a, a movie, you know, like, oh, it's really a bummer when so-and-so dies at the end of the movie. You're like, oh, uh, well, I haven't that seen the movie came out a week ago. You couldn't yeah. wait. Like, yeah. I haven't seen the whole thing. Oh, the whole. Yeah, it's, it's really it's good. Long. I saw I saw like the first little part of yeah. it. But see, when I watch something like that, I tend to get inspired and then just want to start working on something. Yeah. So then I pause it and then I don't get back to it. <laughs> you know, I don't blame you. Yeah. But it's great to see that, especially being a huge fan of Mick Ronson, to see him in that thing. Yeah. There's there, not that it's a spoiler, but yeah. We already that Mick Ronson's it. in there. That's fine. <laughs> right. I think yeah. we're. I don't know. It seems like everybody's already seen that now. Everybody was talking about it like crazy. Yeah. So, and it's been out for a while. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be. But yeah, people. July or people something. People feel like that. the need to tweet shit too, like. Game of Thrones. Did you see that crazy ending? And yeah. you're like, wait. Did you? Did you? I, I don't know if I'm gonna watch this, but I, you just kind of blew the whole thing. I avoided <laughs> social media every Sunday until I watched the episode of this last season. I just no, no, no Instagram. No, but it was Facebook, crazy. Nothing. Like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Do you watch it? I did watch it. Yeah, you I, like, I, I didn't. I did love you like Van- the finale or what? What's your take on the finale? I, I did not like. It. It. I, I, you're not gonna see it. Let's be honest. That's true. I couldn't. So, uh, I couldn't keep up with that. Personally, whole personally, I didn't like it. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm. A, I like. I like everything. I, I'm not a. I don't have one thing I'm into. If something's good, I'm. I like fantasy. If if it's not, I like biographies. 
whatever. Do you I'm, read? I do read. Not as much as I used to. I used to read all the time, and right. now I have a hard time reading when I'm moving, Right. which is where I used to, you know, in tour buses and on planes and stuff, and now I, I have a very hard time uh, remembering what I just read when I'm moving. What about audio books? I have I like audio books. I used to drive cr- across country a lot, and I loved it when I would do that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to be stupid, but then no, it's killer. It's so killer. But maybe Man. that's what I should start doing. Man, I do audio books all the time. Like I, I've been on the road with him before, and I would try to put on like we, some we listened audio to the book. Michael Caine biography and one, and <laughs> yeah, it was Michael Caine read by Michael. Caine. Read by Michael. Oh my Caine. god, that must be fucking awesome! Bought, dude. We I bought it at a truck stop. Yeah. I bought it at a truck stop, and he was like, he was all pissed off. Like, come on, we're not listening to this. I'm like, dude, it's Michael Caine, yeah, and it was killer. It was great. I'm going for that. Yeah, Man, that sounds amazing. It's, it's probably on cassette or something. It's definitely worth getting for yeah. sure. He had a great book about acting too, like. If you ever want to read like the best book on acting, it's it's by him. Oh. I forget. It's I think it's just Michael Caine on acting. I always loved him. Yeah, great actor. Yeah, man. I I, I can I ask, and you cannot not answer because yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, when you were with the Eagles, are you comfortable talking about everything that happened in France and how you dealt with it after? Yeah, sure. Please, like so. <laughs> If we don't want to have to talk about the incident, but like, like when we said, when your mind doesn't shut off after an experience like that, I mean, you experienced you were a survivor of a terrorist attack. Yeah, yeah. And then how does how does I come from a country where that happens a lot on a regular basis, and mm-hmm. I obviously know people who died in terror yeah. attacks, who survived them, wars, the whole sh- the, the and so how does someone like you? that that happens like at work with the whole situation how do you co how do you move forward how do you get past it that's well, a good question yeah it's it's interesting that you would say that because obviously it's by far the worst thing that's ever happened to me and friends mm-hmm. and uh i don't really know how i i mean i guess always still kind of dealing with it i mean for the first six months everything was definitely uh iffy because i didn't know why you know that happened and so i was definitely certain noises or things would definitely trigger things post-traumatic stress disorder Uh, off the chain oh yeah yeah yeah. but also the one thing that i always kept in my mind is as horrible as it was it happens daily all over the world right so it wasn't like that's the only time that it's happened. I mean, it was fucking horrible. Right. But the one thing that helped me deal with it is when I finally got out, because I was the last person in the building that got out. That's wild. Matt was uh, out just seconds before me. He was out just a minute before. But on the way out, you know, it was... How did you get out of the building? They shuffled you out? The police brought me out. But the, the thing that I always kept going back to was how cool people were afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like the people that were there, a lot. it was really strange because people that were at the show were coming up and s- saying stuff like, don't hate France. Right. You know, don't hate Paris, you know. Uh, Even that night the people like I, Like this one guy came up and he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, why are you sorry? And right. He's like, yeah, I, you know, we don't, we don't want you guys to hate paris and 
I'm like, what? No, of course not. And I looked down and said, "Are you shot?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah. It just kind of went, kind of went through on my side." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna hate you or Paris or France yeah. ever because that was just some fucked up people that, well, f- for no reason really, other yeah. than their fucked up viewpoint. I'm not, right. you know, and it wasn't." It wasn't even like they were like actually really religious in the, you know what I mean? Like right. they, it, it wasn't like just more dumb than anything. Yeah, else. yeah, just kind of dumb and you know and yeah. deadly. You know? Right, like, I mean, just, it's no different than shootings here in the U.S. You know, yeah, it's like it's it happens. Yeah, unfortunately, but there's a, there's a sense of like uh, the event's over and pe- whoever survived survived and yeah sadly whoever didn't didn't there's a camaraderie for survivors yeah to to group together and to uh, it, you sort of become a family with everyone who was there yeah absolutely i mean i lost a lot of friends that night a lot of mm-hmm. people that weren't super close but people i'd met on many trips to paris and you know other people that were coming from other places and yeah it was it was a hideous thing you know i mean it was so stupid because it started out as such a fun beautiful night of people having fun right when you play paris like for people who don't know that's like there's you know there's la there's new york there's paris those those yeah. there's london those are, i mean all due respect to every place you play but those are like you know huge cities and so there's more excitement for bands when they especially yeah. if you have a big audience and if you're playing the Bataclan you have a huge audience yeah. there you know like I've played there before I've, it's I've done beautiful it. yeah, man. it's a beautiful room and it was it was a great show we were having a great time and it's yeah. just it's just sad that people feel the need to I, I don't even know how you would be talked into thinking you need to go make a statement by killing innocent people yeah. that are at a show having fun like what it's, i'm not sure what that shows the world it's just people who don't have any like anything to live for yeah. i guess and there's just you know just i don't i don't know either but i would i would guess that it was just like rage at god rage at humanity rage at themselves just unbridled rage and needing an expression you know yeah i don't know you know that's my best guess yeah it was it was pretty horrible and the the like a lot of my friends that were in the room like i was hiding you know so i didn't see firsthand a lot of things i mean i saw some before i went into the hiding where did you hide i i hid in a bathroom off uh, to the side of yeah the that stage. was backstage what yeah. was going through your there's mind? There's that backstage that goes <laughs> up, a lot of up the up like there's a spiral staircase. Yeah, and there's up. one to the left. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, I wasn't thinking about there. There was a door to get out. Yeah. So I just kind of hid, and uh, it was it was crazy listening to all that while I was there, and no one really checked that that room the whole time until the very end, and then. Uh, uh, one of the bombers was trying to kick the door in. Wow. And uh, were you holding the door at that point? I wasn't I wasn't holding the door at all. I was hiding underneath like a sink. Oh, wow. And uh the police when before they shot him they turned around the corner to, and he 
blew himself up at, Holy the, at the door. Shit. When you were in the building? So there was a bomb. Oh, yeah. yeah like, right went I off didn't know right. That. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, at the door? Yeah, I had to step over his get head in? to get out of the. Holy fuck. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. It was definitely the worst moment of my life. Jesus. But also, the scary, the other scary part was uh, I couldn't really tell what was going on because everyone was speaking French. And I don't, right. I, you know, I can understand a few words, but not mm. when people are. Especially in that situation. Yeah. yeah. So I couldn't tell if it was the police or not. Right. When, when, once that had happened. Well, and you must be in total shock, obviously. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like beyond. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily, they were the police were super cool. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just like, unlock the door, step back, put your hands on your head, because they didn't even yeah. know if you might be. Yeah. What? You yeah. Know. You look like a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, like, so what did you do That's to? So scary. What did you do to like after that? After that happened, and with dealing with like post traumatic stress disorder, um, what did you do to heal that? Did you see somebody to help you heal that, or did you? I didn't do any regime or any kind of situation to help or just let time do it. I kind of just let time do it. Mm -hmm. I tried to uh, be around people I love and Mm -hmm. that love me and try to slowly get back into whatever I had going. Mm -hmm. How long before you went back on stage? I think we were back on stage with you too. Right in a couple of weeks. That I was the first that time on television. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty wild. That was pretty wild. Like going back to Paris that soon afterwards. If they wouldn't have asked, I don't think I would have ever gone back. I I would have gone back, but it wouldn't have been quickly no. at all. Right, and they were they were extremely cool to us. You know, they flew us over first class, and you know, made us feel very. I mean. If you're ever going to go on stage after something like that, you too can probably provide you with some serious uh, protection. Yeah. But they put us up in their hotel, which was really nice. Right. Nicest hotel I've ever been in. Right. And uh, (laughs) they were were just very, very cool and gracious to us. That's cool. Yeah. Was it traumatic going back, even though it was the YouTube oh, treatment? Oh hell yeah, yeah. Like I Especially mean, still, and there must have been even also like seeing the sort of commercialization of that too. Mm, like, yeah. did that have any kind of weird, contradictory feelings to you, or any kind of? Honestly, I was more concerned about uh, like Jesse and I have a real distinct look. Like I didn't shave or, or anything, so right. It wasn't like I could go out and just put on a baseball cap and some right sunglasses. And at the time, nobody still really knew what was really going on either. Like if they were targeting just us or if it was just a thing or nobody really knew anything about what, why, what and why. Right. So it was, it was pretty so was, scary. Yeah, that, that's interesting because, yeah, you would you just, I guess now it's just considered random terrorist yeah of, uh, you said something earlier that made me think like yeah you would have to like part of recovering from that situation i guess would be depersonalizing it because you yeah. said something to that effect like hey this happens all the time yeah. because if you take something like that personally I, I suspect it would be like twice as or many times harder to oh yeah i mean from it yeah i like when when i left paris i went to visit my girlfriend in new york i didn't come back here for a couple of weeks mm-hmm and that was 
probably the smartest thing I could do instead of coming straight back here. Right. Because no one in New York would even know or care. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when I got back here, it was just a little, it was, you know, this this isn't like a, a fortress here either, you know? Right. So I just, that was a little scary for a while thinking if they were looking for me. Right. It wouldn't be very hard to find and yeah do whatever this is a famous address yeah actually yeah yeah i don't think the no trespassing signs would have stopped <laughs> anyone it doesn't stop anyone now <laughs> I mean, right it didn't stop us we're here yeah <laughs> we're in your living room you guys are always invited here thanks man but then dave then you actually went back and played bataclan again no I, we didn't play the bataclan you didn't no oh. no we no because it wasn't open for a long time right I thought you guys it, went back to the actual venue. No, no, we played. We played another venue uh, after the uh, U2 thing, but it wasn't open for a long time. You, you got to remember, it was a crime scene for a f for long time okay. for a bit. So they really had to do an extreme renovation in there. Yeah. Would you go? Would you go back and play the venue? Absolutely. Absolutely. And my other question, unrelated, was were you in Queens the same time that Lanigan was in Queens? No. Oh, okay. I was in Queens from uh, 97 through 2000. What albums were those? Uh, the first, Rated R. I love Rated R. Yeah, those two. Yeah. yeah. That one's great. I, I mean, like that one, too. That's my favorite one, I think. Yeah. Just because that's when I discovered that band. Yeah. It's you a know, great record. Your band, yeah. Were you just so, available or a band member? I was a band member for the f for the first two records. Why'd you leave? Uh, I was kind of m mutual. Uh, that's the that's the <laughs> Lanigan game. Yeah. <laughs> but you stayed friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, I I had to like bow out of a couple of tours because I was doing my own stuff with my band Earthlings. Mm -hmm. We did a couple of tours, and i was i was more into doing my own thing right. as much as i love queens yeah it was also a different kind of scene at their shows then you yeah know, it was mostly you know i played a lot of shows with not a lot of people right you know yeah and that's that started growing obviously as we played more shows and it was still fun and i love those guys and i love those songs but it wasn't you know as you know like it's, it's more fun to play your own songs yeah yeah, definitely. But there is something to be like being a member of a band too. Hell like yeah. it's like less pressure too, and it's just kind of like you're, you know. Yeah, it's but like I could only do that when I'm doing my own thing in conjunction with that. Absolutely. Yeah. It just kind of got to the point of where, yeah, it was kind of time for something to happen. Right. You and Josh are still good friends. Oh yeah. Has yeah. he ever invited you back to play with Queens just for the hell of it? No. <laughs> okay. He's got Troy and yeah. Dean. They're pretty they're pretty badass. What's your next move then in terms of music and like what are you working on now? We're working a lot of we got some cool things. We're right now uh Earthlings album is about halfway done. That's and, cool. And uh Mahab so Pete Stahl, our singer, he tour manages a lot of bands. He works with a band called Rival Sons, uh -huh. and so he's on the t he's on tour a lot. And all the guys in the band all do different things. So we get together when we can, and we're about halfway done with an album. And uh, 
Mojave Lords are almost done with an album, and that's me and Bingo. That's my partner in the Mezcal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just played a show with Masters Reality. I play with them live occasionally. Is Matias in that? Yeah. 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 He, he and Shout I, out Matias. Yeah, Matias. Schneeberger. Schneeberger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, we just, we, actually, we just backed up Mark Lanigan, too, both of us. Oh, right. Yeah. And Masters. And uh, we're doing a, a really cool project uh, with our friends. There's a band called Black Futures out of the UK. Uh-huh. And they're really cool. It's a two-piece. I like the name. Yeah, they're they're great. Although they better fucking be careful with that manifestation shit. Black futures. I know. <laughs> you know, it's like I just thought it. Yeah, you just thought it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. If you get a chance, check them out. They're Black really futures. Good. Okay. Yeah. But we're doing out. we're doing a project together that's going to be really cool. I, I'm not going to talk too much about that one right now, but spoiler alert. But yeah, it's a spoiler alert. Yeah. But we've been we recorded about half of an album together, me mm-hmm. and Bingo with those guys, and it's going to be a really, it's going to be a cool multimedia event that we. So you got like three albums in a th- in a mezcal company, yeah, basically in a studio that's. What about your, one of the best? Your solo. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, shared hallucinations. Yeah, I got my solo album. Yeah, out. shared hallucinations. Great record. Thank you so really much. Really love that. Is there a part two? There's a part two. Part two is going to be uh, the instrumental movie soundtrack album, and then there's a bunch of other songs that are pretty close to. What's the soundtrack for? Is it like an imaginary movie, like a yeah like Joe Dorowski or whatever his yeah. name is <laughs> yeah. made a movie kind of thing yeah or when yeah something to well like Share to Lose a- Nations is like the it's like a fake Pebbles or you know one of those compilations from the sixties oh, okay it's all it's all got fake band names what's the full title with that Shared Hallucinations Part or, One uh, but there's some Sonic Salutations yeah. from the Venerable Vaults of the Rancho de la Luna yeah. <laughs> Cool. I, I I couldn't think of a longer name. Yeah, I kept trying. <laughs> I think Fiona Apple beat you on one. Time. I think she did. Yeah, Which but, one? But I forget. I don't know the name of that. It's like a paragraph, it's like a whole paragraph <laughs> album title. But I should know. Her second you know. one. No. Yeah, something like that. Or when the pawn, I think, is what it starts with. Uh, well, dude, man, thank you for doing us. the podcast. And Thanks for it, having me. It, I, I'm glad that. I can get you guys out here. Yeah, we're happy that we got to come out here, man. We love road trips. Yeah, we got to do manifestors. It did take us four hours. We should, man. I I think that would be a funny idea. Like, I actually think, like, it's kind of, a you know, like, all the best ideas comes in, like, a way of a sort of humor, like, you know. But actually, if you really think about it, if we put out, like, and we could even get collaborators, too, and do something called Manifestors. And the only thing is, it all has to be songs that are really, really positive manifestations I'm of down. beautiful realities. And think about it. It would be great for, obviously, us, and we would do it like for that, that selfish reasons. Yeah. But also, you're giving it to humanity. <laughs> yeah. And then you guys can hum along with it, too, and manifest some great shit, too. Absolutely. So it's like... You know, and we got Joey Castillo living across the street. Yeah. We get him to play drums, and Brian O'Connor lives next door. We get him yeah. playing. Did, did Joey p- play in the Bronx? Look, I think yeah. the second single should be "I Love All This Sex I'm Having." Oh yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's uh, true love, by the way. That's true love and going somewhere. What about yeah. it? no more? <laughs> the best more sex money. is true. Love. I love this best sex. I love this true love sex I'm having. Yeah. What, uh, more money. Money song. You gotta have How about money. yeah, like 
I love how rich I'm getting. <laughs> I love how rich I'm getting. No more money, please. Getting rich, getting rich. And I'm giving a lot of it away to people that don't have any. See, and then more money human. comes my way. Right. I'm saving the world. I'm saving every day. I'm feeding the homeless. Can't believe I'm immortal now. Can't believe I'm never going to die. Can't believe I'm in perfect health again for the 18th lifetime this lifetime. See, that's the that's the first single right there. Right there, man. Yeah, we're on to this. And we just have it recorded. You could just use that. I love my new penthouse in New York <laughs> City and driving that Lamborghini. I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about the Lamborghini. I, I think that might. Yeah, I, I, I think that I'd get a lot of speeding tickets. I even though I would not want to manifest that either. I'm not getting any speeding. I tickets. can't believe, even <laughs> though I drive how fast I want, I never get a speeding <laughs> ticket. Yeah, I can't. I don't know some word that rhymes with want, but yeah. I'm thinking of a dirty word, so I don't want to say that because <sighs> don't. Don't. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> Where can people follow you online? Oh, yeah. Uh, www.ranchodelaluna.com. www.ranchomezcal.com. How about that? www.earthlingsinfo.com. It's earthlings with a question mark, right? That is, but not in the right, right. Just for people to know. Yeah. And www.mojavelords. Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. www.mojavelords.com. Yeah. Mm, and then why does the Earthlings have a question mark? Earthlings? Earthlings. Because we might be aliens? Yeah, because uh, I wanted to have a band name that included everyone but didn't tell you where we were from. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like that. At least everyone on this planet. But we all know there's more things yeah. somewhere else definitely definitely other dimensions what do you think about that eh? who the aliens uh no the, yeah do, do you think there's other beings on other dimensions probably yeah i'm, yeah. I'm with him on that i mean there's, it gotta be come on uh, if you start thinking about it yes i mean there's gotta be somebody else out there, there. definitely yeah I'll, I'll go with the comic book explanation of uh, multiverse and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. parallel earths yeah. and whatnot. I'll go for that. I love the fact that we're selling out Madison Square Garden <laughs> and on the cover of the Rolling Stone. I like that. And then I'm <laughs> Can't believe we're doing eight nights at Madison Square Garden again. Two weeks in a row, we've invented new days. I don't know, man. <laughs> and then I bought 1,800 houses for my friends. Yeah. Can't believe I got, made all my friends millionaires. What's that say hearing there for? Because aren't you hearing something? Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to hear stuff. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you have any uh, tinnitus vibes going on, or are you good with that? I don't have any can't believe, can't believe I have no hearing loss. Yeah, and perfect vision 2020. I got to say you play loud yeah. as fuck. I do. Hey, cursing. I, I've, I've stood in front of you in front of you at a show. It is loud. Loud as your hearing. Yeah, it's rock and roll, dude. It has to be loud. Yeah. The no, fuck. But how's your hearing? 
perfect. good. Perfect. Huh? Perfect. Always. Always. I'm never going to not have great hearing. Me, same with me, man. My hearing's perfect. It's unreal. It's amazing. Can't believe how perfect it is. Probably better than the day I was born. Certainly. Mine's improved. <laughs> I think it's improved every day. I have like practically bionic hearing. It's weird. <laughs> Can you hear that? I, th- I think I'm hearing a song in Detroit on a radio in a 69 Ford. I think it's The Boss, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one? What's your favorite Bruce Springsteen album? I'm not a huge... You don't love him? I, I, I respect and love him as a person. I've not super gotten into his music for some reason what about who's your what, who would she would say is like and top? i'm sorry i i have jammed with bruce springsteen before i'm sure he's cool he's he, cool he's chef. where yeah. i had a girlfriend that was his uh, personal chef for a minute but i played with him at john McEnroe's 30th birthday party uh-huh john McEnroe likes to play guitar right he's yeah like a guitar player I've he's a he's that. a good one i played with him as well Did and you play tennis with him no but I I played tinnitus with him. <laughs> but I did play with uh, Bruce Willis and wow. Bruce Springsteen at the same time. That's wild. Yeah. The two most famous Bruces, apart from Bruce Jenner, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Bruce Dickinson. Oh, yeah. Nice. He's a pilot. Iron Maiden. And Don't Bring Me Down. Bruce. Yellow. What's that? You never heard ELO? Don't ELO. Bring, oh, right. Yeah. Don't bring me down. Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Yeah. 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 So who's your top three favorite songwriters of all time? David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. And. That's a hard one. It is. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Neil Young. Mm. Maybe. That's I mean, cool. they, I like those he he has written a lot of not good songs too. Mm-hmm. But he has written a lot of good albums. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many good songwriters, but definitely Bowie and Lou Reed for sure. Yeah. What about yours? Yeah, I would say Lou Reed for sure. Bob Dylan. I mean, Leonard yeah. Cohen, super good yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. What I say? I mean, it's hard to say three. It's a it's a kind of a bullshit question yeah. but you know i i just was curious yeah um but yeah i probably go with uh lou reed bob dylan and uh yeah fucking david bowie i guess too yeah. I, I hate the copycat but yeah it's it's pretty hard to once you put david bowie in your mind so soon like it what do you think of his Prince li- too? Yeah, Prince is. I mean, there's not three. There's so many more yeah. than three. But like, what do you think of David Bowie's last album? I think it's genius. So fucking good, right? Yep. Scary good. Yeah. All right. Well, are we ending. Are we wrapping the podcast? Is that yeah? The we end? can go you eat. Got any other questions, or should we go eat in the no, desert? I don't. I don't have any more questions. I think should we covered we? it all, and then some. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did good, right? Dave was yeah. kind to I us. I had a great time. Yeah, man. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Yeah, I hope we do it again. We are going to do it again. I can't wait to do it again. (laughs) Can't believe this podcast blew up. Everybody loving this podcast. The best podcast that's ever been done. It's a podcast in a paper cup. I don't know. I'm really off my game, but anyway. No, I'm not. I'm on my game. I'm really on my game.
it's a game that's to be won. That's right. And we're winning it. We're winning. My brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. No, it's great having you out. The Manifestors. The Manifestors. Be on the lookout. Coming soon. Coming soon to Hit Radio. Coming to a store near you. Coming directly to number one on the charts. Can't believe we went number one on the charts. We're going to start our own bank because we are going to have so much money in it to give to all the people to make the world a better place. And we're going to solve every problem known to man. For sure. Stay tuned. Well, also, I can't believe the Bitcoin we created blew up. And like now it's like each one is worth $1 billion. And there's no more world hunger. I know. I love that. I love that. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. <laughs>